Hey, well, I'd invite you to grab a seat. Thank you so much, band. Uh, if you snuck in late or in case you missed it, my name is Chris and we're really excited to have you along with us tonight where, like I said earlier, we are in the middle of a series or we're in part two of a four-part series that we've been doing called uh, Just Do It. And if you have no idea what a series is or how that works in a church context, the way it works is simple is we unpack one big idea over the course of the series and every week we'll dive a little bit deeper. So every part is kind of like an episode. So if you missed it, you can just catch up. Uh, And if you want to catch up on part one, then you can jump online to our SoundCloud. Uh, Just type in Beyond Church AU and and you'll be able to catch up on part one. Uh, But just just so we're all on the same page, uh, in case you're not into SoundCloud or in case you don't have a a spare 15 minutes during the week, uh, what I want to do is I want to get us all on the same playing field so we can move forward into part two. Because really this, this whole series is around one word. And it's around this one word that, that we know we need in our life, but it can be really, really difficult to implement and it can be really, really difficult to do. And this one word that we know we need but we have such a struggle implementing is this word discipline. Now this word discipline, we know that there are things in our lives that we need to be disciplined in. We need to be more disciplined in. Perhaps we have to actually start a discipline in this area, but, but it can be a really tricky and a really challenging thing to actually follow through and to actually be disciplined. And specifically, this series is about spiritual discipline. Now, in case that's a, that's a really churchy word and you, and you have no idea what that means or what does that look like, spiritual discipline is simply this, staying close to Jesus in a world that draws your attention away from Jesus. Really, that's all that discipline is in any form. If you're trying to be disciplined financially, then, then you need to focus on where you spend your money and not get distracted by the sales. Now, if you're trying to invest into a relationship and maybe you have, uh, you have trouble uh, with work, or you have trouble dedicating time to that relationship, you know that you need to focus on it. But there are things in your life that draw your attention away from that relationship or that, that thing. So spiritual discipline is just discipline focused around this idea of Jesus. And maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're like, this is my first time to church. I'm not even really sure about this whole Jesus guy. I don't, I don't really think this whole spiritual discipline thing applies to me. And I get that. But chances are maybe, maybe you've got some questions about this whole Jesus guy. Maybe you've got some questions that you've been like, I've always wondered. Like I kind of maybe think there's a God, but I don't know what he looks like. And I don't know what it looks like. And, and maybe for a while you've had these questions that you've just never been able to answer. Every time you've gone, something has drawn your attention away. And so if you're in that boat, this series is great for you because it will give you some disciplines to to maybe learn how to to go out and attack and maybe get some answers for those questions. So last week, uh, we looked at at the idea that the big idea for last week was in order to get in on the action, you have to take action. In order to get in on the action, you have to take action. We actually asked the question that you can ask yourself right now. We said, uh, what do you need to put down so that you can stay close to Jesus. In other words, what's been pulling your attention away? What's been grabbing at your attention? What stopped you from asking those questions? What stopped you from maybe uh, pursuing that that deeper relationship with Jesus in your life? And so tonight, and over the next three weeks, we're going to give, uh, each week we're going to look at one specific discipline. One specific discipline that we can talk about and that we can help to uh, get in on the action. Because ultimately, for this series, we want you to get in on the action. I don't know um, about you, but one of the things that I like to do is uh, I like to go and I love to work at coffee shops because coffee is fantastic, uh, firstly. 
Uh, but, but secondly, I just kind of like the atmosphere of a coffee shop. There's something different about having a coffee in a coffee shop than there is to just, just having one at home. Sure, having one at home has its benefits, but there's just something. But the thing that kind of bugs me is when you get those, like, those people that come into the coffee shop and they sit next to you and they just talk so loud that you can like, hear their entire conversation. And you want to be there, but it's uncomfortable because you're hearing about the grandma and you're hearing about how Auntie Bet like, did something at Christmas and you won't believe what Sandra did. Like, it's just everything's coming in. You're like, would you please just be quiet? And so I found, uh, and maybe you found it too, maybe you use it for uni, but I found uh, an app called Simply Noise. And you can download this app on your phone. This is not a plug for, for Simply Noise, but it's just what, uh, you can download it on your phone or you can get it on, on a web. And essentially what it does is it pumps white noise through your earphones. So you can be in a coffee shop, you can be out in a place and you can have white noise pumping through your headphones and you can just zone out from everything that's going on. And in case you don't know what white noise is, white noise is sounds at a multiple number of frequencies that kind of blocks out the noise from the surroundings and helps you focus in on the task you have to do. Essentially, white noise, it masks the sounds of our surroundings. That's, that's all that white noise does. And... and Although I use white noise, maybe you use white noise to help you focus, maybe uh, you use white noise in other ways in your life, we all use white noise at some point in our life. It just might look a little bit differently. Maybe you use white noise when you go up to order your coffee or you go up to order your takeaway and, and you've got to wait, but you don't want to make eye contact with anyone else in the restaurant. You want them to think you're busy, so you, you just pull out your phone. White noise. I don't have any messages. I don't have anything to look up, but I'm just going to put this here so that people know that i got something to do. There's some white noise going on in your life. Maybe when you're at work or when you're at uni or school, you do the thing that, that, this is the universal white noise symbol when you have your headphones in. That is the do not talk to me, I am trying to focus, okay? You're trying to block out your surroundings. Maybe you, I don't know what it is uh, if you've ever experienced this, but there's times where you pull up at the lights next to people and they pull up even with you. This bugs me so much. I like pull up a little bit in front or a little bit behind because it weirds me out because you're kind of like, are they looking at me? Like, I feel like they're looking at me. I don't know if they are. And then you look, and then as you look, they look. And then they think that you've been looking at them, but you haven't, and you want to tell them that, but it's too awkward right now. So I just, I just made up white noise in that situation. I just, like, look at my radio and fiddle around, change the channels. Like, I might not even be listening to anything, but I pretend like I am, so there's some white noise. And see, white noise in and of itself... It's not a bad thing at all. But if we don't keep white noise in check in our lives, it can become so overpowering that it actually consumes us. Because if we're honest, there is always something we could be listening to, right? There's always something we could be doing. There's always an email we could be responding to. There's always a show we could be watching. There's always a friend that we could be hanging out with. And over time, if we're not careful, this white noise becomes so powerful and there's so much stuff going on in our lives that we just don't know how and we forget how to be present. We forget how to just sit and be present with the people around us, with ourselves and with God. Maybe some of you who drive, you've felt this. Um, and for those, of you, uh, for those of you who don't have your license, one day you will feel this. Where you're driving along in your car and all of a sudden you're like, how did I get here? Like, or maybe for you, you're going somewhere, but you drive along a path that you've always taken. And so your brain goes into autopilot. I live two minutes around the corner. 
from, from work here. And I dead set went the same way that I sometimes go to go to my parents' house. And I was on the highway towards Castle Dime. I was 25 minutes late to work and I lived two minutes around the corner. My brain went into autopilot. I go past the Strathpine exit. I'm like, how did I get here? Like, how did I end up here? And the tension, the tension for us is that if we let too much white noise in, if we're not careful, we can wake up one day and we can say, why am I in this relationship? Why am I dating him? Why, why am I dating her? Why, why am I doing this university degree? I'm not sure if this trade is for me. Maybe you wake up one day and you're like, I, I don't know if this job is actually what I, what I want to do. I don't, I don't know if I actually want to be spending my money like this. I, I don't know how my relationship with my parents or, or, or my, my boyfriend or my girlfriend, or I don't know how my relationship with my friends got to this point. I don't know how my relationship with God got to this point. And so tonight my agenda is, is really, really simple. I want to help you cut out the white noise and learn just to be present. Just to be present with your friends, just to be present with your family, with your co-workers, maybe the people you're at school with, maybe the, the people in your tute. Learn to be present with God. And I want you to learn to be present with yourself, with the things, your own thoughts, your own feelings, your own dreams and your aspirations. And to do this, I want to I launch in and get an insight into, uh, and I want to get an insight into a God that was present. See, maybe for some of you, there are a lot of things that separate Christianity from every other religion, every other world religion on the planet. And one of the main things, or one of the things that separates Christianity from every other world religion is that God actually wrote himself into the story. 2,000 years ago, God wrote himself into the story and Jesus stepped onto the pages of history. Fully God and fully man. No other world religion has God stepping onto the pages of history. Krishna never claimed to be God. Buddha never claimed to be God. Confucius never claimed to be God. Muhammad never claimed to be God. All religions where God sits out there somewhere and just flicked the world into motion and then left it to its own devices. But the thing that separates Christianity from every other world religion is that God wrote himself in. God wanted to come and step onto the pages of history and be with humanity. And so we're going to get an insight tonight on someone who actually spent time with Jesus. If you you don't know much about Jesus, uh, essentially Jesus was born in a little backwater town. uh, And for the first 30 years of his life, we don't really know much about him except for that he hit nails into wood. So Jesus was a chippy for the first 30 years of his life. And for the last three years of his life, Jesus launched the movement that we now call Christianity. Not bad for three years worth of work. And Jesus, when he steps onto the pages of history, he, he comes as a, as a, a first as a carpenter and then as a teacher and a rabbi. And during the three years of, the, the, um, of his public ministry, we talk about, and these are the stories that you would have heard about Jesus, they all happened in about a three-year period. Jesus, people begin to follow Jesus. And so there are hundreds of people that are following Jesus, and there's, there's 12 specifically that follow him. And you may have heard them referred to as the 12 disciples. Uh, we think that's kind of like a little bit rich, because it gives you a, a, a wrong picture. We like to call them the dirty dozen here at Beyond. 
because uh, essentially within that group of, uh, of 12, uh, the, the dirty dozen, there was a political fanatic, there was a tax collector, there was a whole heap of stinky fishermen. There was one guy that even betrayed him. Um, so they had to stop calling themselves the dirty dozen. They were just like the, the, the 11 after that, you know. Jesus picked a guy to follow him that would, would betray him. And within that 12, there was three that Jesus was actually really close with. And of that three, there was one. There was one that Jesus would have considered his best mate. And Jesus' best mate was a guy called John. And John wrote down, at the end of his life, he wrote down a biographical account of his time that he had spent being present with Jesus. And he wrote all this stuff uh, down, and we actually have it right now in in the New Testament, and it's called the Book of John. Uh, He was original like that. And so we have an opportunity tonight, and we're going to dive in right in the first chapter, uh, a a little bit in, four verses in, right in the first chapter of this book that was written by Jesus' best friend, and it talks about what it was like to know and spend time with a God who was actually present. And so John starts like this, he says, the word, which you kind of like, the word, like, the bird is the word, like, what, like, just didn't, there, you, that was a sympathy laugh, like, let's just put that in, like, all the jokes that didn't work, hey, like, it's okay, I'm used to it by now, I'm not the funny one in my relationship. Um, it says the word, and the Greek in, the, in this, uh, the Greek actually says logos. So John is making a, a very, uh, a big point here, Jesus, uh, this word, this logos, actually is Jesus. The word equals Jesus as the way as John's referring to it. So you say, okay, the word, John, cool. The word gave life to everything that was created. In other words, John said, no, 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 let let me get this clear. The word, just being Jesus, is, is not what I want you to get. The word, I want you to actually get that Jesus was God. And Jesus created everything. Jesus created the entire universe. Everything that we see was created at Jesus' hand. And then he goes on, he says, and his life brought light to everyone. A little bit confusing, but what John is saying here is that, that if, if you believe that there's more to this world, John is saying, I, I believe it's Jesus, that Jesus is God and that Jesus created everything. And if you believe, and if maybe you, you feel that there's something more, if you can recognize that you didn't create yourself, then you ultimately have to recognize that your, the meaning and the purpose of your existence is not found within yourself. That's what John's saying. John is saying life, if someone created humanity and created the world, then life, true life, real life, is not ultimately found within ourselves, but it's found in the God that created it. And then to kind of make, uh, make, make his point even further, John says, this light, this light Jesus, shines in the darkness. And this is, this is kind of interesting. And I, that, that blue, that... that in is highlighted. Because if you've ever, ever gone home and you've ever kind of stumbled through the dark or, and then you've, you've pulled your phone out and you kind of flip it up and you do like the whole flashlight thing and you're like, oh, where am I going? Like, where, where am I going? The light shines into the darkness. But there's not a light already in the darkness. If there was a light in the darkness, you wouldn't have to look. You shine a light into the darkness. And so John makes this really weird statement. He says, there's a light. And that light, the light of Jesus shines in the darkness. And then, he, and then he finishes with this. He says, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And to understand why John has, is saying that, you have to understand what John has seen in his life. 
Because John, the best friend of Jesus, he's writing this at the end of his life and he has seen some things. He saw his best friend brutally beaten and executed in front of his own eyes. In fact, the, the dirty dozen that we were talking about, all of them punked out except for John. John was the only one who was hanging around at the foot of the cross. And John is staring up at his best friend, his teacher, his rabbi, who he's been traveling with for three years, and his teacher has got a crown of thorns on his head. He's bleeding down his face. His hands are nailed into a piece of wood. His feet are nailed into a piece of wood, and he is missing chunks of his skin where the Roman soldiers have scourged him with whips. And John watches him die in front of his very eyes. And then if that wasn't enough, Jesus' own mother is crying alongside John. And John actually not only now has to get over the death of his best friend, but he has to actually take care of Jesus' mother, Mary. And then three days later, the rumours start to circulate that the tomb's empty. And it's not before long, John is having breakfast with Jesus on a beach. And this Jesus that John's having breakfast with doesn't look like he's kind of rolled the tomb aside and he's just kind of snuck out like, and he's kind of all bloodied and beaten up. This Jesus looks like he's actually overcome death. And then if, if that wasn't enough, is it to see the reason Jesus? Then for the rest of his life, John is constantly bombarded with other followers of Jesus being brutally uh, tortured and executed just for the fact that they believed in Jesus. And so John says these words from that context. John says, the light shines in the darkness because I've seen them try to take the light away. I saw that Friday as Jesus gave up his life. I saw death try to take the light away. But death could not extinguish it. And so John's saying, so I believe that the light doesn't shine into the darkness, but the light shines in the darkness, and that the darkness, not even death, can ever extinguish it. And just to make 100% sure that there is no, no misconceptions about who we're talking about, John, John says this, he says, so the word, Jesus, became human and made his home among us. And that home literally means he pitched a tent. In other words, Jesus came and he was present. He, he put up, uh, he built a house, he got the picket fence. Jesus was, I am here in history with you. I am present. And this, this is, this is the best part. Because John says after, after these three years of being present with Jesus, after these three years of being present with a God who, who wrote himself into history, this is what I learned about that God. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. John says, I, I, didn't, I didn't see that he was full of judgment. I didn't see that he was full of anger. I didn't see that he was full of rules. I didn't see that he was full of laws. I didn't see that he was full of repression, of oppression. I saw, even as he was dying on the cross, I saw that he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. So why, why should we bother being present with other people? Why should we bother taking the time to actually be present with other people? And this is the reason why. What God had in mind for Jesus was to be with us. What God had in mind for us is to be with other people. 
See, John finishes his, his address this way, or this little, little, little excerpt at the start of his biography this way. He says, And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. In other words, when I was with Jesus, I got a glimpse. I got a glimpse into what my heavenly Father is like. And you know the glimpse that I got? You know what it was like? It was like unfailing love and faithfulness. And when we take the time to be present with other people, what God had in mind for us is that when other people interact with us, when we take the time to, to actually physically be present with other people, they get a glimpse into the unfailing love and faithfulness of a God who is personal and a God who wrote himself in to history. So, where does, where does that leave us? And how can we actually uh, ensure that this week we, we maybe take a step or we do one thing towards being present? And so what I want to do as we wrap up, I want to give you one big application. One big application that you can use this week as a stepping stone, as a start to beginning to be present. But before we do, before I give you the application, there's something, there's something I just, we need to know before we step in. And the thing we need to know is this. We can only go deep with a few. We need to realise that if we're actually going to be present with people, that we can only go deep with a few. See, we, are, we, are, we live in a hyper-connected world, and that is not a bad thing. That is not a bad thing, but we have substituted connection for community. And we're going to actually talk about this for a whole week in part four. But just for tonight, we need to realise that we have substituted connection for community. Because there is only a certain amount of time that we have in the day, which means there's only a certain number of things that we can do in a day. And Jesus, when he was on earth, he carved out time to go deep with 12. And of those 12, there were three specifically that he went really, really deep with. And then he had one best friend within those three. And you and I, we need to realise that we can only go deep with a few. We actually say it here at Beyond, we say circles are better than rows. We have these uh, things called connect groups. They meet in people's houses all throughout the week. Because we realise that as followers of Jesus, we can only go deep with a few. And there are some of us, and this is Christians in general, not people at Beyond, but there are some of us who, we are serial, Monday night we'll go to a connect group, then Tuesday night we'll go to a connect group, then Wednesday night we'll go to a connect group, then Thursday and Friday we'll go to a connect group. But God didn't want us just to go deep with other followers of Jesus. God wanted us to go deep with people who don't know Jesus. So that when we make space and when we make margin for our friends who maybe don't know Jesus or our co-workers or people who don't know Jesus, that they would get a glimpse into the unfailing love and faithfulness of a God who is present in history. And so with that in mind, this is the challenge for this week. Now I'm going to give you the challenge... But before we put it up on the screen, I want you to know that you are, your, fir your first reaction is to be no. Your first reaction is going to be no. So when it comes up, just know that your first reaction is to push back. So we have this thing here at Beyond, it's called For Monday. Because uh, we believe there's no point coming to church on Sunday if it doesn't benefit you, if it doesn't help you for, four, uh, for Monday and for the rest of the week. So the For Monday for this week is this. I want you for one week to turn off your push notifications. And some of you are like, whoa. Whoa, Chris, that's big. And there are some of you who are like, what's a push notification? That's okay. We'll bring you up to speed if you don't know. Push notifications are those things when you get your phone out and everything starts flashing up. You know, you, you've got the text from mom and you've got the, the Facebook message and you can see how many people have liked it and, you know, it tells you who you've got a Snapchat from and it lets you know which person's messaged you on Messenger. 
But just for one week, just for me, I just want you to trial it. You don't have to do it forever, but just for seven days. Now, now, I'm not asking you to turn off your messages and your phone calls. You know, there are, you, you, you know there's some people who may need to get in contact with you. I'm not saying if you've got a pregnant wife or you know, if you've got a job interview, like turn off your push notifications or phone calls. Like that's just silly. But, but turn off your push notifications for everything else but your texts and your phone calls. Turn it off for Snapchat. Turn it off for Instagram. Turn it off for your email. You can check them when you log into the app. That's fine. You can, you can take the time to set some time aside and you can check them. They won't go anywhere. Check, turn it off for Facebook. Because it, it might sound crazy and it might sound like, whoa, this guy is like really, really weird. Like, I can't believe he said that in church. Turn off push notifications. You're never going to believe what the dude at church talked about tonight. Crazy. But how would it look if just for this week, for seven days, you actually turned off those push notifications? How would that change your dinner table conversations? How would that change... When you're, when you're waiting around at work for that meeting. And so instead of everyone on your phones, you're actually able to be present with your co-workers. How would that change your connect groups? How would that change your friends and your family or maybe those relationships that are a bit sticky at the moment? How would it change them? And ultimately, ultimately at the end of the day, if you're still not sold on it, the person that ultimately benefits when you turn the push notifications off is you. You're the person that ultimately benefits because you get the opportunity to be present with the people you're actually present with. When you're out for coffee with someone, you actually get to be present with them instead of being present with all the friends that aren't with them. You actually get to be present with those people who are most important to your lives. Because over time, we have this tendency to let the white noise drag us away, and I don't want that for you. So this week, turn off the push notifications. Begin to realize that you can only go deep with a few, and that's okay. But go deep with followers of Jesus and people who aren't followers of Jesus, so that when people see you being present, they will glimpse the unfailing love and faithfulness of God. See, what God had in mind for Jesus was to be with us. But what God had in mind for us is to be with other people. So for the next seven days, turn those push notifications off and actually be present like God had in mind. I'd love to pray for you right now. And uh, as we do, I'd love to uh, invite the band back up. Heavenly Father, there is so much white noise in our life. And sometimes white noise can be a great thing because it can help us focus. Because there are things that we need to focus on at times. But Lord, if if we're not careful, there are always things we could be doing, always things we could be filling our time with. And if we're not careful, this white noise begins to fill up our entire life. And we begin to miss the things that are most important to us. We begin to be drawn away from the things that are most important to us. And Father, I, I just pray for some people here tonight. Maybe for them, they've had some questions about you. And it's not that they haven't want them answered, but it's just that there's been so much noise in their life, so much white noise in their life that they haven't had the opportunity to actually be present and begin to ask some of those questions. So Lord, I pray for people here tonight that, that maybe it's, it's their time to just be present and start to ask some questions. And Father, I pray for people here tonight as well 
who maybe they've been followers of Jesus their whole life, but maybe they can't remember the last time they sat down and prayed. They can't remember the last time that they they opened their Bible and just spend some one-on-one time with you. Lord, I pray tonight it would not be a guilt trip, it would not be a uh, a shame, but Father, that, that you would show them in just a really practical way that they can be present. Just turn off the white noise. Carve out some time to actually be present with a God who wrote himself in to history because we were that important that he wanted to be present with us. He wanted to pitch a tent with us. And Lord, may we be present with the people in our lives so that we, through us, people may get a glimpse, just an insight into the unfailing love and faithfulness of Jesus and what his death on the cross did. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.